Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. The scripture we're going to hear today that was already alluded to is one you are likely familiar with if you've hung out in a church for any amount of time. I invite you to hear it today, though, with new ears. As you listen, picture yourself there as one of the disciples. The scripture is found in what's called the farewell discourse in John's gospel. Just before this, Jesus has washed the feet of his friends and given them a new commandment to love one another as he has loved them. They're about to have the last supper. They can tell that everything is about to shift. Jesus is about to die, to be killed, and the disciples are terrified. What will happen to him? What will happen to them? What will become of this thing they've devoted their whole life to? What happens next? How can they know for sure they're going to be okay? These are the questions behind the questions that they're asking Jesus in this conversation. So imagine you're there. Imagine you are one of those disciples. You're terrified. Listen for Jesus' comfort to them, to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. (laughs) Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father? I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does this work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do works greater than these, because I am going to the Father I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts point us towards you and your unfailing love. Amen. This was the nicest place she had ever been able to call hers. There was a soft, comfortable, queen-size bed bigger than she had ever had, a candle and a lamp on the bedside table, a bedroom of her own with new lotion out on the counter, good-smelling food being prepared for her in the kitchen, a place where she was safe. She could not believe it was hers. This place had been prepared just for her? Her life up until this point had not been filled with this kind of radical hospitality. She was first assaulted when she was just a kid by someone who should have been trustworthy. Since then, home had never felt safe. Her life had spiraled in and out of abusive relationships, struggling to find a safe place to be, struggling to find money for a decent meal, addicted to drugs and alcohol just to try to numb it all, in and out of jail, living on the streets. Then came Thistle Farms and the Magdalene House, one of our partners at our Nashville Be the Neighbor site. They met her in jail. They didn't ask her, what did you do? They asked her, what happened to you? They looked at her without an ounce of judgment, only with love. They said, if you want, we've prepared a place for you, a house, a home, where you can find sanctuary, where you will be safe, where you will be loved. Becca Stevens, Thistle Farms founder and Episcopal priest, says, we're not a halfway house, we're not a recovery center, we're not a transitional center, we are a home. There's no authority in the house, so it's a communal model of radical hospitality. It comes out of the Benedictine rule. It's a belief that community really does heal and that we need to be together without authority but in relationship to get to some of the deepest wounds we know and have the freedom to move forward. They told her, we believe that love heals and we've prepared a space for you. Love did heal her. She graduated from the residential program after two years and now works at the social enterprise arm of what they do, Thistle Farms. This has given her a stable job and income and helped her to prepare a place for more women to know they are not alone. I have prepared a place for you. Is there anything more comforting to know that someone has thought of you particularly you, and prepared a place for you that you will have a safe and loving place to be. I think of this often when we resettle refugees on our Be the Neighbor trips in Fort Worth. Our new neighbors arrive at the airport in a new country, not knowing anyone, not knowing the language, after facing terrible trauma, and there's someone to greet them, someone to take them to a new apartment that has been prepared for them, filled with furniture, a home-cooked meal, a place has been prepared for them. They can exhale. 
A few years ago, I took my sabbatical. My son and I, who was three at the time, were taking a cross-country road trip because it was a pandemic, so I was not going to put us on a plane. So we were driving across the country, and I don't know if you've ever driven across the country with a three-year-old, but I would not exactly call it the most peaceful experience you've ever had. And so I am exhausted when we arrive at my friend Megan and Willie's farm in Kentucky. When I get there, they were still at work, so I open the door to the room we'll be in, and they have baskets set out for us, one for me, one for my son Spencer, filled with our favorite foods and a note saying, we're so glad you're here. I took a deep breath. Someone had prepared a place for us. It was the most comforting feeling in the world. Do you know that feeling? Someone preparing a place for you? Can you think of it? It's the ultimate hospitality, radical welcome, and it's deeply comforting. Deep comfort, radical hospitality. This is Jesus' answer to the disciples' fear. Deep comfort, radical hospitality. This is Jesus' answer to our fear. This entire passage of scripture is the disciples asking a zillion questions, but but what if, but can you show us, but uh, we might get lost. Can you just show us the way one more time? How can we know for sure? And Jesus' answer to each question, deep comfort, radical hospitality. I've got you. You've got me. You can trust me. I'm preparing a place for you, all of you. You don't have to be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, this believe in me is not Jesus saying, believe I exist. It's not Jesus saying, ascribe to this certain set of belief statements and do not question and do not doubt. This is not actually a heady statement at all. This believe in me is a relational statement. It's Jesus saying, hey, you know me. You can trust me. You can trust God too. We love you and we will not let you go. No matter what happens in my father's house, there are many rooms and I am going to prepare a place for you. It's not a bribe from Jesus. Believe in me and in God. Get all those belief statements exactly right. And when you do, you get a mansion in the sky. This is a statement of deep comfort. Radical hospitality to people who are afraid. You can trust me. No matter what happens, God and I are not going to abandon you. You will always be with us. We will always have a place for you. We will always take care of you. Trust me. Wherever I am, there you will be. Jesus is our ultimate host. Priya Parker's book, I don't know if any of y'all have read it, it's called The Art of Gathering. It's like my favorite book I've read in the last few years. And in this book, she talks about how if you're planning an event, any event, a night out with friends, a kid's birthday party, a reunion, a corporate conference, there is an art to gathering. Now, one of her first rules to creating a great event is do not be a chill host. Don't just say, y'all come on, we'll figure out what we're going to do when you get here. No, she says. The best gatherings, the ones that people don't forget, the host sets the space. 
The host is clear about the purpose of the gathering. The host has thought of every detail. They make sure each guest feels lavishly welcomed. When I was a kid, my favorite birthday parties to go to were my friend Becky's. Because Becky's mom, Nan Matson, was not a chill host. She was the ultimate birthday party hoster. She thought of everything. The parties were themed. Every detail matched the theme. You got like a special invitation, not just like on a piece of paper. She was like something would come out of it and explode or there would be a video. Like it was a whole thing. And when you left, you felt so included and so loved. From the moment you walked in the door, it was as if you had entered this different world she had created. And it was magical. Jesus, like Becky's mom, Nan, not a chill host. Jesus has thought of everything, creates this new world we can enter into. The world's about to get hard for the disciples, Jesus knows. He knows he's about to get killed. He knows his disciples will face scary times, and he wants them to know that he's thought through all this, and they're not going to be alone or abandoned. So he, the ultimate caring host, sends the best invitation ever and tells them about the world he is creating and invites them to join him there. In this world around you, he says, you will see hate and violence seem to be everywhere, but in God's world, that one I am preparing for you, love and peace are the rules of the day. In this world, it seems like some people get everything and some people can barely get by, but in God's world, the one I am preparing for you, there's enough for everyone. Many, many rooms. In this world, death seems to be everywhere. But in God's world, that one I'm preparing for you, life wins every time. When things get bad, when everything gets terrifying, remember this, Jesus is saying, another world is possible. It's not only possible, it's real. And I'll make sure there's a place prepared for you in it. I imagine Jesus looks around for all of you. You see, there are many, many rooms. There's going to be a crowded table. There is enough space for all of you in this world God dreams of. No one's getting left behind. I'll take you there. You don't even have to know the way. I'll come get you. Don't worry. If this scripture were a Disney show... I imagine this would be the part where the soft music starts to play, the characters all come in for a hug, the screen fades to the credit, everyone feels at peace. At least I imagine that's probably what Jesus hoped had happened. It's not what happened. The disciples, still incredibly anxious, are like, wait, but we have more questions. What do you mean we know the way to this place you are preparing? We don't even know where you're going, Jesus. Where is this place? How are we supposed to know how to get there? Just show us the way. (laughs) Don't worry. You know the way, Jesus says, because you know me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and you know me. The disciples look at him confused. They found themselves in a who's on first, what's on second situation. You see, they think they're talking about the same thing, but they're actually talking about completely different things by the phrase, the way. Thomas, the disciple who asked the question, is asking Jesus to show them the way, meaning 
Show us a roadmap. Which way do we need to go to walk to get to this place you're going? Please show me exactly on the map. And then show us what the Father looks like so we know when we found it. We know when we get there what to look like. Jesus isn't talking about a map at all. By you know the way, he means you know the lifestyle. You know the way of life that will take you to this place that God and I are preparing for you. What do you mean we know the way? Don't worry, Jesus says, still trying to comfort them, but I imagine also maybe a little exasperated at this point. You've got this. I know you do. Deep in your bones, in your heart, you know the way. You know me, right? And if you know me, you know God. And if you've been paying any attention at all, which I know you have, just trust that. The way I've been living, the way to this new world, is the way. Now, I want to be really clear here. This scripture has sometimes been taken out of context and used as a threat. If you don't believe in Jesus, if you do not accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you can't get to God. Reverend Elizabeth Johnson says that to use this scripture as a threat is to rip it from its context and do violence to the spirit of Jesus' words. Nothing about this is a threat. Remember, this whole conversation is one of comfort for those who are afraid. Jesus is saying, the way to God, the way to the world God dreams of, where there is enough room for everyone to thrive and live in love, that's the way I've been living and modeling for all of you. And I have opened up this way of life, loving welcoming, deep hospitality, the ways Jesus lived, that is the way to life. If you live in the ways of this world, seeking power and goodness only for yourself at the expense of others, fearing and hating and excluding people who are different than you, it'll just lead to more of the same. More death, more violence, more destruction, more fear. No, Jesus says, the only way to this new world where love and life get the final say is the way that I have modeled, the way of deep love, of radical hospitality, of full trust in God, welcoming others, especially those who have been left out, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, working for justice for those who have been oppressed, serving others like I did when I washed your feet, Jesus says, forgiving, sharing what you have, loving your neighbor, even your enemy. This is the way. My way of living, Jesus says, this is the way. I am the way and the truth of the life. This is the way to that world God dreams of. And you know the way. My son and I became a family through foster care and adoption. And I had imagined that my first placement would be an older kid or a teenager. I had some experience there. So when Spencer arrived at my doorstep at three days old, I was terrified. Teenagers with trauma, I had some skill in. Diapers, not a clue. I had no idea what you were supposed to do with this little one. And I just sat there terrified. And people kept telling me, you know this. You know how to do this. And I kept saying, no, actually, I really do not. I'm going to need some information. No, you know this. Just trust yourself. Trust that you know the way. This sounded ridiculous to me at the time. 
And while there are still daily things I get wrong, and I have lots of questions as he enters each new phase of life, for the most part, they were right. For the most part, I have known the way. When I trust myself, when I lead with love, when I trust the model that I know from my faith, I can be the kind of mom I want to be. The disciples knew the way too. After Jesus' death and resurrection, after the Holy Spirit came to be with them, they remembered they were not alone, that God had not abandoned them. They remembered this conversation they'd had with Jesus. They slowly came out of their hiding, slowly came out of the fear that had gripped them, and they started to live in the way of Jesus. They welcomed, they healed, they fed, they loved, they forgave, they talked about God's goodness and God's world that was being created. They stood up for the marginalized and forgotten. And you know what? That place that Jesus was preparing, the one with many rooms where all are welcomed, where love and life are abundant for everyone, that place started to form around them, to sprout up in the crack like a beautiful thistle plant with its gorgeous purple flower sprouting up between the cracked concretes. When they lived in the ways of Jesus, the beautiful world God dreams of that Jesus prepared started to sprout in the most unlikely of places. In places where hate seemed to have the microphone, love started getting the loudest and last word. In places where death seemed inevitable, life started to appear, not just in heaven, not just in the world to come, but right here, right around them, just like Jesus had taught them to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Living in the way of Jesus is the way to the place God dreams of. We typically hear this scripture read at funerals, and for good reason. It's comforting to know that Jesus has been preparing a place for us and for our loved ones. But because of this, we've come to think about this place only being in heaven, only in life after this life. And I believe that's true, that when this life is over, we go straight to the arms of God's love to dwell with God, that there is nothing, not even death, that can separate us from the love of Jesus, of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But... I don't think that's all Jesus was talking about here. The world God dreams of, a place where there is room for all of us to exhale, to live in love, that can happen here too, in our world, when we live in the way of Jesus. The scripture is not just about eternal life, it's about our life here and now. Jesus is preparing a place for us right here. So, friends, as Easter people, the ones who live after Jesus' death and resurrection, our call is to help partner with Jesus, to prepare this place God dreams of right here. Our call is to follow in the radically loving ways of Jesus, and in doing so, we just might see little glimpses of that place Jesus has been preparing it just might start to sprout up around us. When we look at this broken world, we are to look at it like the poet Maggie Smith says, in any good realtor would, and say to each other, hey, this place has good bones. It could be beautiful. You could make it beautiful. 
That's what Jesus says to the disciples at the end of this scripture. When he says, those who follow will do even greater things than me, I think he's saying, following in my way, if you do, this place could be beautiful for all people. You, partnering with me and God, Jesus says, you could make it beautiful. Don't worry. You know how to. You know the way. Because you know and trust in Jesus. And because Jesus knows and trusts in you. And he does. That way is inside of you. Trust it. And don't let your hearts be troubled. There's a place prepared just for you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.